It is Thursday, June 16th, and this is People Every Day. Hello again, everyone. It's me, Janine Rubenstein, coming to you once again from NYC. I've been having so much fun here. Our New York office had a big Juneteenth celebration last night, and I may or may not have done the electric slide. (laughs) I have to say I am very excited for today's show. One of my all-time faves, actress Tisha Campbell, is joining us to talk about was up with the big Martin reunion special. And then there's the news from On High that Queen Bee is getting ready to drop a new album. Plus, we have a conversation about women's sexual health that's riveting and rarely talked about. So, like I said, I am very excited for everything we have in store. Let's dive right in. First up, we teased yesterday that the Jonas Brothers are featured on this week's 100 Reasons to Love America issue of People. What we didn't get into is how, as a part of our exclusive interview with the trio, Nick Jonas opened up about navigating parenthood with his wife, Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Their baby girl, Malti, who was born via surrogacy back in January, finally made it home after over 100 days spent in the neonatal intensive care unit. He commented on why he and his wife decided to share their baby's story on social media, saying, quote, it was really important that people know that whatever their journey is or whatever challenges might come up, you're not alone. As harrowing as those 100 plus days were at times, Nick shared how he leaned on his wife, who, he says, was a rock the whole time and continues to be. I'm grateful to have a teammate in Crete. Again, just so happy for Nick and Priyanka and baby Malti. And just another reminder that you can catch more from our conversation with the Joe Bros, who are on the cover and featured in this week's issue on stands tomorrow. Moving on to what's become a staple story here at People Every Day, more news is seeping out of the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard saga. Much has been made both during the trial and after the verdict about the overwhelming support Depp received on social media and conversely, the negative attention garnered by Heard. Many observers of the case have proposed the TikTokification of the trial swayed the court of public opinion in Depp's favor, but apparently not in the court of law. One of the jurors in the case is now commenting publicly about what went on behind the closed-door deliberations. They claim that the social media aspect of the trial did not factor into the jury's decision. The anonymous juror told ABC News, quote, We followed the evidence. Myself and at least two other jurors don't use Twitter or Facebook. Others who had it made a point not to talk about it. Immediately following the ruling, Heard's team made claims that the social media groundswell swung favor to Depp's corner, but the anonymous juror simply said he believed that, quote, a lot of Amber's story didn't add up, and that the majority of the jury felt she was more the aggressor. Very interesting. The juror elaborated further, saying, quote, the crying, the facial expressions that she had, the staring at the jury, all of us were very uncomfortable. She would answer one question and she would be crying. And then two seconds later, she would turn ice cold. Some of us use the expression crocodile tears. Oof. He then went on to clarify his reasoning, saying simply, to rise to the level of what she was claiming, there wasn't enough or any evidence that really supported what she was saying. Again, very, very interesting to hear a juror's perspective on everything. The whole thing, really on both sides, was bizarre at times. Next to come, I'm sure, is what Heard's team has to say about these comments and maybe even more jurors speaking out anonymously. And in very different news, Dancing with the Stars pro Cheryl Burke got candid about her sexual history yesterday. And no, it's not what you're thinking. 
In a vulnerable moment, the dancer shared how she's never experienced an orgasm during intercourse. A very personal revelation by all means, but her comments have sparked a conversation about a big but often unspoken topic of women's health. All right, you guys, my next story is one that might seem a little racy to some, but it's an important one, and you may find yourself agreeing and and seeking answers. So let's talk about orgasms. Dancing with the Stars judge Cheryl Burke is opening up like never before, and she revealed on her podcast, Burke in the Game, that she has never experienced an orgasm during sexual intercourse. Her admission came after she you know, wasn't honest with her sex therapist, Miss Jaya, last week. And you also might remember that she also filed for divorce from her husband, Matthew Lawrence, in February. Questions, questions, questions about all of this. So here to dive deeper into everything else she confessed is my partner in crime and people managing editor, Charlotte Triggs. Hey, Charlotte, ready to talk about sex? (laughs) Janine, how did I get roped into this segment? (laughs) Well, you're here and we're doing it. Uh, Okay, well, here I am. (laughs) Cheryl is, you know, pretty candid on her podcast, uh, just about the lack of pleasure she's had in the bedroom. And she said, well, let's just listen to what she said. I forgot the word, but she said a word that I asked her what that meant. And she said, it's when you reach that peak of like that orgasm. And I was going to ask, and then I was like, don't do it, Cheryl, don't do it. But what I was going to ask was, you know, I never really... I guess, had an orgasm before when it comes to intercourse. This doesn't reflect on any partner I've been with. It only reflects on me. Interestingly enough, I would say we don't know that there's been no pleasure in the bedroom. We just know that it's not happening for her from intercourse. And like, I find it so fascinating that, you know, she had this segment on her own podcast where she talks to a sex therapist and she wanted to ask, these questions, but almost felt like it was way too personal to go there. And so she held back and bit her tongue. And then on reflection, she was like, you know what? I should ask this because A, it's what I want to know. And so many other women are probably feeling this too. And there's so many stats that actually back that up. Apparently, like there's a study out of Finland that said that 90% of men have an orgasm during intercourse, but only 50% of women, which says a ton about (laughs) everything that's going on. But how often do we hear people talking about this? We don't really hear people sharing their own personal experiences in this way. Well, she has this one quote that has nothing to do with the person. It has everything to do with me and my shame and my child abuse and my vulnerability. She kind of puts it on herself. But I mean, I I will say in some cases it has something to do with the person, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. I mean, yes, I'm sure. Right. But you know, that's, that's the thing. This Finnish study that I found very interesting said that most women have had their first orgasm actually by masturbating, not by intercourse. And that sometimes it'll take them like up to five years after having first experienced an orgasm to like have it during intercourse. So I think that there's definitely some physiological stuff here that people don't talk about, unspoken things that people don't discuss. But she also has these underlying, you know, this underlying background trauma that appears to be impacting her, that she does draw that conclusion. Yeah. Well, she also disclosed that she hasn't had sex since 2021 and reflects on a period in her life where she says, quote, I used to have to want that. And I think that was because I didn't think I was enough and validated myself through engaging in physical activity like that. What are your thoughts here on on that? And, you know, celibacy, going cold turkey. 
the timing here lines up with her divorce from Matthew Lawrence. It's probably not surprising. You know, she's going through like a huge life change in terms of getting a divorce. It's probably really not that shocking. How far into 2022 are we? Six months? I mean, it's not all that long. You know what I mean? It's longer than Nick Cannon celibacy. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. He didn't make it very long. We have heard people talk about experimenting with like celibacy. I'm not sure if this is her going cold turkey or if this is just her going through a big life change, but she's clearly very aware of it. And the fact that she has a sex therapist on her podcast, clearly sexual health and sexual confidence is clearly very important to her. I've had so many friends who've said this to me. Like, I got to a point where I realized I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it for that other person or for, you know, what I wanted. It's such a Hollywood story, right? We've heard so many people in their memoirs talk about just having sex or, like, doing things that they weren't really into because they were either pressured to do it or or they were just trying to seek validation. And so it seems like probably taking a break is a very healthy move. Yeah, And I do want to talk about what she shared previously, this other layer to her story. She talked about how she was molested as a child and that that during that time in her life, she was very insecure and, and just felt like she couldn't speak up. She wrote a memoir in 2015 where she talked about having been molested. She was only in kindergarten. She describes it as a father figure in her life who would make her watch pornographic videos and was taking advantage of her and being creepy and horrible and doing doing bad things. But she's also talked a lot about opening up about her life has been a healing thing for her. And that's also part of the reason why she wanted to share this with her fans because she feels like she's told them everything that's going on with her and she's always had an open dialogue and has felt like sharing is kind of like a purifying thing for her. It keeps her honest and it keeps her happy. Oh my goodness. It's so important too. It's so good to communicate that and say like, you know, whoever your partner is, rise to the challenge. How many of these women do you think are actually telling their partner that it's not happening? (laughs) They're not. They're not. They're faking it. I just did a rewatch, a rewatch of Sex in the City where Miranda was with the guy who like she had to fake it with. And they're like, how does he not know? And it's like, because you're (laughs) taking it. All right. (laughs) Charlotte, thank you so much for talking about this with me. (laughs) Thanks, Janine. All right, guys, it's been 25 years since the legendary sitcom Martin went off the air after just five seasons. The cast is finally reuniting after all of these years, and we sit down with Tisha Campbell, who played fan favorite Gina, to talk about her top moments on the show and why she thinks it became such a huge success. But first, you guys, the amazing news I woke up to this morning. B is back. In fairness, she never left us. (laughs) But earlier today, Queen Bee announced that she's releasing a new album and the hive is buzzing. So, you know, we absolutely have to get into all things Beyonce after the break. Hey, everyone. I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Who won the world? Girls, girls. Who won the world? Girls, 
who run the world? Beyonce, forever and always. <laughs> we are back, and so is Queen Bee. Earlier today, the 40-year-old superstar who's on the cover of British Vogue's July issue, sitting pretty in couture atop a horse, no doubt, <laughs> announced that next month she will be releasing Renaissance, her seventh studio album. She gave us her live album, Homecoming, in 2019, along with Lion King, The Gift, and the visual masterpiece that is Black is King that same year. But this marks her first real solo opus since 2016's Lemonade that, you may recall, gave us collaborations with the likes of Kendrick Lamar, The Weeknd, Jack White, and, of course, the mega-hit Formation. But that was then. The new album is expected to debut on July 29th and to feature 16 tracks. For all of you diehards out there, like myself, four unique box sets are currently available for pre-order on Beyonce's website, which include a CD, T-shirt, mini poster, and a 28-page photo booklet. If they're gone by the time you hear this, that is not my fault. <laughs> you guys, I can't wait for this new album. Lemonade was so raw and personal, so who knows what she has in store for us with this. In the interview with Vogue, it paints how happy she is at home in L.A. doing school runs and eating ribs for dinner. So I'm thinking she's going to give us joy in this new music. When it hits, we will be all over it because when it comes to Miss Knowles Carter, I am crazy in love. Hold up, hold up. I've been waiting more than a couple decades for this moment. Martin is back. It's been 30 years since the iconic 90s sitcom Martin, starring comedian Martin Lawrence, first premiered and had everyone cracking up for five seasons. It added zingers like Talk to the Hand and Get to Steppin' into the American vernacular of the time. And it helped launch the careers of some amazing comedic actors, one being Tisha Campbell, who played Martin's silly but sophisticated girlfriend-turned-wife, Gina Waters. She and her girl Pam, played by actress and Tisha's real-life bestie, Tashina Arnold, epitomized Black girl magic and proved you could have it all, even if your man was a hot, hilarious mess. Well, Tisha and the rest of the cast are back together for their much-anticipated one-night-only reunion show streaming now on BET+. Lucky for us, Tisha is here with me now to discuss what Gina means to her today and what fans can expect from the reunion special. So, Tisha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Well, this is the very first time that the cast got back together in that iconic living room of Martin and Gina's apartment. So what were your thoughts leading up to the reunion? And how did that moment feel walking in? You know, I honestly was nervous. I hope people embrace it as much as they say they do. I wasn't nervous about getting together with the cast because we're still friends, right? But I was really nervous about and what, we're, we were told we represent because we never thought of ourselves as like icons or that this is a iconic show. We were at the time just trying to make people laugh, trying to feed our families, you know? And plus, Tommy wasn't with us. It felt a little weird with him not being there. The show was undeniably TV gold. Well, let's talk iconic moments from that show. My favorite Gina moment was when she had this big presentation the next day and she got her head stuck in the headboard for reasons we won't name. Well, let me tell you the behind the scenes <laughs> about that. So the writers will always sit at a table right next to us because we would play spades 
at lunch. And so while we're playing spades, we're talking crap to one another or we're asking questions like somebody asked once like, okay, what were you guys' nicknames when you were younger? And so I said, well, they used to call me Applehead because my head is shaped like an apple. So they're <laughs> writing and we didn't figure it out until like the third season that they get material off of us, right? It was fun because the way that the prop guys did it, they had to unscrew. There was like, two, there were slates. So they had to unscrew. In the headboard? Yes. Stick my head in and then screw it back into place. <laughs> well, what was one of your favorite filming memories or storylines on the show? Whenever we were all together, it was magical. I loved the plumber episode and I loved the Halloween episode. Ooh, those are good ones. My other one is the Rottweiler episode. <laughs> or somebody stole the cassette tape. <laughs> That's everybody's favorite. My job was to not laugh. My job was to make sure... I just knew that I could not laugh. Everybody else could laugh in the scene and break character, but I couldn't because I felt like some moments would be stolen from him because he's so brilliant. Martin, Martin, stop it. Martin, stop. Martin was always magical on screen. So I wanted to make sure everything was captured. You mentioned, Tommy, I take it there is a moment in this reunion special that everyone will see where you just get to reflect on him and, and honor him. How was that for you? Well, you know, they didn't tell us that we had to say something, you know, on Tommy's behalf about Tommy. So everything was real. It was impromptu. It was heartfelt, but it was something that all of us wanted. That was the first thing that everybody asked of the, even in their contracts, like, we need to honor Tommy. We need to make sure his family's there. We need to make sure that people, his legacy is not forgotten. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the, the running jokes is that his character didn't have a job. He had a job, but Tommy is such a thespian, right? So he complained to the writers and the writers will always get us back in the script. He was like, nobody knows what I do. They just see me come in and out of the, 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 the house with no key. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So the more he complained, the more they was like, you ain't got no job, Tom. You ain't got no job. You just happen to have a blowtorch with you. <laughs> I need this for work, man. You ain't got no job, man. It was so, so good. And there were so many beautiful moments. I mean, but there's also those moments that fans are wondering about, about why the show ended when and how it did. You left back in 1996 amid claims of an intolerable work environment and sexual harassment. And we aren't talking about it because all of this is about a celebration and, what, and everything else is a personal situation that we've all healed from. So we're not even going to talk about it. Awesome. I like the healing part of that. The show always gave nods to Black culture, whether it's, you know, Martin's Do the Right Thing poster or, or someone wearing HBCU gear. So why do you think it was so important for those references in that time? It was just a nod to the 90s. It was a nod to what was happening in the moment. We knew that we could slip some stuff in there and make people understand the importance of an HBCU or whatever was happening at the time. Well, uh, before I lose you, I want to play a quick game of where are they now? So I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question and you, and you tell me what happened. In your mind, did Martin and Gina ever rekindle? Oh yeah, they're married with kids, grandkids probably too by now, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like did Pam get a man? Oh yeah, Pam got many men. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what about Cole? Did he ever get rid of that pacer? Cole still has the pacer, but it's on blocks. <laughs> what about Shanae? How is Shanae doing? She's probably got many shops, hair shops. You know, she franchised. And lastly, did you learn Mama Payne's buttermilk biscuit recipe? The bitch wouldn't tell me how to make it. (laughs) (laughs) Tisha, this was too much fun and I cannot wait for this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, our last story today is a heart-stopping but heartwarming one. Tuesday night in a small town on Long Island, an 18-year-old woman was parked along the waterfront. As she was getting ready to back out of her parking spot, she mistakenly had her SUV in drive. She pressed the gas and plunged off a ledge and into a bay. A chilling surveillance video showed her Subaru Outback quickly sinking into the dark water. You can see a few nearby pedestrians ran to the edge to see what was going on when suddenly there's another splash. 17-year-old Anthony Jonger dove in to help the driver. Here he is telling today's show what happened next. She was trying to open the door first. She couldn't get the door open and started banging on the window. The two made it back on dry land shortly thereafter and are both doing well. Anthony said he was glad he was able to help and is planning on enlisting in the Marines once he finishes high school. Wow. I mean, what an incredible story. Definitely something to make you smile. And and speaking of incredible stories, though, a reminder that we have a very special episode for you tomorrow that chronicles the story of country singer Ty Herndon and his journey through addiction and depression while being an openly gay country music star. Thank you all for listening today. And I am very excited for you to hear what Jason has in store for you on tomorrow's very special episode of People Every Day. <laughs>